What's going on, boys and girls? We have a terrific episode of Two White Lights for you today. Steve DeNovi and I give our recap of the hybrid showdown that took place over last weekend. We cover all the major storylines. We talk Hack vs. Bell, Jawan vs. Micah, Brandon vs. Shane, Chad Penson being potentially the most underrated lifter there, him and Daniel Misenchik getting that underrated label, Brianni Terry winning best female lifter delivering an absolute phenomenal performance, Jamal's masterclass performance where he got a world record total, and of course we have to talk about his deadlift as well, and we talk a little bit about the live stream, what we would change about it, a little bit of critique there, and Julius Maddox and the Phantom No Start Command Call. Uh, We talk about all that really great discussion with Steve, that is the bulk of our show, but we also talk about the Two White Lights discussion who should be the powerlifting logo, what lifter should be on the powerlifting logo. Pretty good discussion with me and Steve there. We talk a little bit about the comments and the lifters that we think should be on the logo. And we wrap up the show by talking about Russ Orhees' YouTube video, talking about the criteria or the raw national selection process and our issues with the video, kind of offering up our own rebuttal of that as well. So, Jam-packed episode. Before we get into that, got to talk to you guys about Left Floor Bros. Ladies and gentlemen, visit Left Floor Bros on Instagram. Check out the Left Floor Bros family grow. They are sponsoring the Texas Strength Classic that is coming up this Saturday. Extremely excited for that. Couldn't have a better company sponsoring that meet because they care about powerlifting. What do you know? A company that cares about powerlifting, and it sells merchandise exclusively for the strength athlete. All of their designs depict strength training and strength ports in some way, and the designs are getting better and better each and every drop. I am so proud being a part of the Left Floor Bros family. I'm telling you, go follow them on Instagram, check out the website, you will not be disappointed, and get yourself some merchandise Use that promo code 2W15 and you can get 15% off of all Left Floor Bros merchandise and on top of that, two White Lights merchandise as well. That's right, two White Lights merchandise is sold on leftfloorbros.com. Check out the collection, get the original tee, get the Fight Night tee, and get the dad hat and the banner. Use the promo code 2W15 and you will get 15% off. I'm telling you guys right now, the designs are just getting too sleek. The Greek, the cotton candy design. They're getting better and better, and you guys don't want to miss that. And, of course, they're going to be having designs come out very, very soon. I'm very excited for it. So, leftlovebros.com. Also, rivalist.net. Make sure you are going there to get your Informed Choice supplements. That Informed Choice label is important for you drug-tested lifters. You don't want to break a drug test. Use promo code ANGELO15 to get 50% off of Informed Choice supplements. They got pre-workout protein powder, mass gainers, branching amino acids, Rivalist got you covered. Also, go to lift.net and get yourself in some stoic gear. I only wear stoic gear in the gym and on the platform. Use promo code ANGELO10 to get 10% off of my preferred gear choice in the gym and on the platform. They got the black label, the white label, the olive drab. You're going to look good, and the quality of the equipment is phenomenal. I love it, and I know you're going to love it as well. Use promo code ANGELO10. Also, visit Notorious Lift. Make sure you're following them on Instagram, and make sure you are keeping up to date with their drops, because if you guys follow Notorious Lift, you guys know what I'm talking about. Their drops are important. 
the designs on these deadlift slippers are so beautiful. They're so sleek. No slip grip is a real thing. Not only going to help your performance, they're going to make you look good as well. They just released their new Sumo So Next Gen 2.0, and I just got them today. They're comfy. They're beautiful looking. You get a little bag that comes with it. It's like suede. It's gorgeous. So do yourself a favor. Go to Notorious Lift, follow them, sign up for a newsletter, and get on those drops because they sell out quick, and they're only going to sell out quicker because with the more drops they have, they're going to just... They're either going to make your gym attire or your platform attire pop that much more, especially on the deadlift, the most important lift of them all. Make sure you're on Notorious Lift and making sure you get on those drops. Also, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star rating, leave a review, and follow on Spotify as well. That's right, we're available on both of those platforms. And without further ado, here it is, Two White Lights. It's Thursday, February 25th, and I'm joined by Steve DeNovi. How are you, man? Doing good. So we actually get to talk about a powerlifting meet. That's cool. Yeah, we actually we, we had some uh, fun for the first time in 2021 of a, a big meet going down. We got another one going on this Saturday. We'll have to do another uh, recap episode, but it's going to be hard to top this one. I mean, this one on the untested side was... One of the better meets in a long time. I mean, I think this this one decently rivaled the showdown um, for the reason that a lot of people showed up. Mm-hmm. Like, not just showed up, like the lifters, like they showed up and they performed. Like, the performances lived up to the hype for a lot of these lifters. Yeah, and I was actually thinking about this over the weekend. Is hybrid the premier meet of the year? And I could, you know, throw it in there comparing it to Raw Nationals, IPF Worlds, the showdown, the current U.S. Open. And I really think that it can contest for meet of the year due to what you said, all the lifters that show up and they just seem to perform really well on that day. Uh, last year, one of the best meets I've really got to see, uh, I mean, through live streams and just catching the highlights on Instagram, but you know, that was Jamal's big day, his huge deadlift and so many other people performed at a high level that, you know, this year, I think the same thing, if not bigger, you had more, names you had better performances you have way more storylines and special special thank you to hybrid it's our second sunday without football and they gave me something to watch all sunday like that's such a blessing that i like you don't even realize until you have it like sundays are empty without football and now i got powerlifting and on saturday replacing college football is a texas strength classic so thank you for these meet directors i don't know if you plan this the content that you're taking or uh, that you're putting in, but I, I'm appreciative of it. Yeah, it's just to make you happy. And honestly, something that literally I'm just realizing now, we talk about like people showed up and they performed. I'm gonna, something that's interesting. If you look at a lot of people we're going to talk about, they're all USAPL to USPA transfers, other than I think uh, Bell. The rest of them are. You got Hack, Jawan Garrison, Micah, Jamal Browner, Shane Hunt. A lot of them came. 
from USAPL and switched to USPA. And I'd argue that's one of the reasons we see, I, I don't know why that's appealing to that kind of crowd to go to hybrid, but is that a reason why we're seeing better performances at this meet compared to a lot of other untested meets? Because we're seeing better attempt selection um, because of this transfer from USAPL to USPA? Um, I, that's, a, that's a good question to ask because, and I, I think I made the argument with a few people you know, over the weekend that I think Jamal Browner and John Hack are the poster child, are the, like the poster boys of being on the untested side and doing it correctly. Not starting way too young using PEDs, not abusing PEDs, not doing any of this, and that could be from their USAPL backgrounds, but that you you know you have to acknowledge that they definitely build a base natural before they ended up being untested. So that could be you know a big reason why you see such good performances from them. They do it the right way. Yeah, and yeah, I can't. I mean, I can't really speak of other people in that situation. I did not know Micah competed USAPL. Yeah, he competed way back in the day. He he didn't do it natural. He, he's he's banned. Okay. <laughs> he, I think he got popped twice in the USAPL. But yeah, he used to compete in the USAPL. Okay, well that's that's ballsy doing it twice. <laughs> congrats! I mean, hey, congrats! He's definitely banned at this point. And he's a, he was yeah, but yes, he was in the USAPL at one point. Yeah, I didn't way know that. Way. I knew Shane Hunt was, uh, but yeah, I mean that that is a pretty good uh, you know indication of something there, but. Yeah, I, I, I definitely agree with you. Yeah, I think uh, Daniel Masenchek is another one who um, was a USAPL lifter before that as well. So, all right, so the meet itself, fantastic, great performances. We'll talk about, you know, maybe some of the live stream later. But I think the story you got to lead with is is Hack and Bell and who had the better performance. And when you get those two at a meet – it is going to be really hard to differentiate who had the better performance because you're talking about some goat talk with both of them. Yeah, and this was a tough one. I uh, I will say if I'm looking back at this meet, I'm going to remember this as the meet as Dan Bell destroying the all-time world record total. Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to remember him. It's, it's almost the thing that John Hack is so ridiculous now that like it's not as impressive when he just keeps doing this to an extent. Now, if he hits 400.5 and he hits that final deadlift, I think it's a no-brainer, greatest performance of all time. We're talking about Hack. He's the GOAT. It's just it's just done, which he's probably eventually going to do it. Um, I mean, his performance is absolutely amazing, and I could very well see an argument that his performance was better than Dan Bell's, but I just think because Dan, yeah, Dan Bell really just capped off the day perfectly – that that's probably the performance I'm going to remember because that, I mean, it's going to be hard for him to top that. I think we all know John is going to top that. What yeah. he did. He's, he's either one, I don't know his plans, either one, he's going to come back to 198 and just destroy that again, or he's going to go up to 220 and just do something insane. So we know he's going to, I think it's almost like a thing that we know Hack's going to have even a better meet, where Bell may have just had the best meet he's ever going to have. Not that he can't get better, but like that one's going to be hard to top because of all the factors that kind of go into into kind of his performances and what you kind of look at um, over the last two years of him not being able to peak for every meet in the same way. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would agree with you on that. Um, I mean, aside from that missed second deadlift from Bell, uh, which in many ways is more impressive than hitting lift, he, the guy could just walk backwards with 900 pounds uh, seemingly mm-hmm. with ease. 
I thought that was more impressive than actually deadlifting it. But that performance, how he annihilated the weight, how he made everything look so effortless and easy and just really just really put in a masterclass performance, I would have to agree with you. That's what I remember the most about this meet. And I think just watching Hack, it's it's almost a given. Every meet he's going to do is going to be incredible. You're going to see just a almost perfect meet. But and I do agree with you and I I think his next plan which I'm trying people very hard to get John Hack on the show. Uh we had some conversations about it so hopefully that could happen soon but and I would like to get him to talk about this but the Kern US Open is the final stone and then Finley Gauntlet, right? That's what he posted on uh his page that yeah the Kern US Open is the only major meet he hasn't won, right? If you yep. really take into consideration all the, you know, major American meet, and then he, this is why he is the GOAT in my mind, because he won IPF Worlds and USAPL Raw Nationals when none of those guys can make that claim. It's impossible yeah. for them. I mean, it's it's impossible like, for them to make that claim. If, if Ed Cohn is Jordan, Hack is LeBron right now, and it's going to take, well, Hack could very well just solidify it by winning the current and then going up and just setting every record ever. But I think in 20 years, we're going to look back and probably even realize how more ridiculous this is, what he's doing. Um, I I think, I mean, like you said, we don't know his plans, but I'm going to guess for the Kern, he's going to stay at 198 for Wilkes purposes. Yeah. He's going to be able to have a Wilkes. And I mean, let's say he hits 400.5 for 400 kilos. Let's say his feet don't slip on bench pressing and get another five kilos. He's knocking on the door of a 2200 total at 198, which in sleeves, which I don't even know, I don't, he's not going to go back to wraps. I'm sure he's going to do the current in sleeves and then win the current in sleeves. I mean, as, I mean, right now he's he's about if he would have taken his normal deadlift, not normal deadlift, the deadlift he planned at 395 before he changed it, which I think he would have hit. If he took that, he's out totaling Belkin at 220 in wraps by 30 pounds, I think it was. Yeah, I, it's 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 incredible. I there's. Every so often, every like 17 episodes or so, I just go into a long rambling rant about how amazing John Hack is, and I've lost words to describe how good he is. He is just, he is powerlifting Jesus. I just can't find anyone who could ever top that and anyone who could come close to him and have the ability to transcend untested through tested and kick everyone's ass and tested too. Like that's one thing to just go from untested and be one of the top, uh, from tested and go and be one of the top untested lifters. But he's kicking everyone's ass. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, there's one other person that rivals him. I think in the sense of freakiness and what they could accomplish over the next four or five years. Ashton. Yeah. Are we on the same page with that? I mean, yeah. Ashton's the one that's getting to this level of freakiness, and he's doing it on a stiff bar still, and he is. Like if they're both at 220, they both very well compete at 220 against each other. That would be, in my opinion, the showdown of all showdowns. So eventually, see them both compete against each other at 220 at like the showdown or something. You know, and and I actually think you might see that one day because I think, as far as Ashton has expressed a willingness to, I mean, he not even express it. He has done it. He's done the current U.S. Open. He faced that one year suspension he got from the IPF, and it obviously wasn't a big deal to him at the time, and. You know, with with the possibility of Sheffield looming, like a lot of people are making Sheffield seeing this thing that's happening, but it, it hasn't happened yet and there's really no plans for it to happen soon. 
I could see after Sheffield and possibly Ashton winning that, just being like, all right, well, that was fun. Going to do some USAPL meets, WRPF meets, and w uh and um wrpf meets and see how much money i can make and see how many great challenges i can have that's what i, I guess he loves competition but he's also pretty stern he i think he think he's a very strong supporter staying natural yeah but, but he would go over and do that and then beat them natural which would be insane yeah that would be I, I, like i could very well see him doing that because he's gonna run out of competition eventually if oh he's yeah. progressing he is and eventually he's gonna have to go over to that side compete natural and then beat those guys and make that as like his his route to being one A and one B possibly ghost status with John Hack currently. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, I could definitely see that. I know, yeah, and I know he is stern about being uh, natural for as long as possible, and I think he will stick. I, I honestly believe he would stick to being lifetime natural, but I mean, I can never really. I, I mean, I don't know that for for certain. I would have to hear him say it himself, but. Yeah, I absolutely could see that, and I could absolutely see him being the next guy to rival John Hack as far as like the freakiness of transcending weight classes and transcending federations too. But right now, I'm just I'm I wasn't really looking forward to the current U.S. Open. Um, uh, John Hack is just gonna have to survive the potential bear attacks that could happen there. But if he survives a potential looming bear attacks, I think John Hack. Now I'm looking forward to him actually kicking some ass at the current and really going to be tuning into that meet. They did. They did just post their equipment. I think they're using an Alico platform. So they, they've upped their game and they're not using a piece of cardboard. They're not using yeah, that Alico. church door that they were using last no. time. That's good. Alico comp platform. So what's the bear, are, what's the animal situation looking like? They haven't announced that yet. I'm sure okay. they're going to announce it. Um, I'm not sure if they're doing bears or they're going to go to like, some type of giraffe slash elephant hybrid. I think they're trying to I, actually. I was thinking they should just do the meat over a shark pit. That would be pretty cool. Yeah. That would be, pretty, that would be better than the stage they had last year. It would be more stable. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, looking forward to the Kern now uh, because Hack has expressed interest of winning that. And I'm really excited what he can see and whatever meat uh, Dan Bell decides to do next. Uh, obviously, I'm looking forward to because. He's he's a beautiful lifter to watch. I think Dan Bell has a good – he has a chance. Like I said, I don't want to downplay that this is his best meet and he's not going to do better. He definitely has a chance to do better. I think it's just going to be a bit harder for him because Hack has so much room to grow for the reason that, like, we can just look at Hack and see he's literally growing. Like, literally, physically, he's growing. Yeah. Um, he's going to keep moving at weight classes and just taking records, so we know that there's more coming. Where Dan Bell's like, he's, he's at his weight. Like, he's just trying to better himself at it. So that's going to be a bit harder for him compared to Hack, who's – who's currently gaining weight and getting bigger and bigger. So Yeah, I mean, really the only challenge, like, that, that is a good point you bring up with finding new challenges, where Hack can re- always move up a weight class and find new challenges or do another competition. It's really hard for a super heavyweight to do that, especially when they're kind of destroying everyone else in the process. I mean, I guess there's records he can still take, but, and, like, it's argued that his performance might have be, been the greatest feat of strength in powerlifting history. Uh, I know Garrett Fear Pro uh, made that statement himself, but 1,100, 600, and 900. Like, that might be the most impressive thing in all of powerlifting. And you have to find a way to be better. You have to find a way to be better than that. I would argue Ray's total is still more impressive than me than that. It was done on a stiff bar, um, and it was done naturally. That Ray very well, 
the the whole incident with IPF Worlds and losing all that weight, whatever happened, happened. If that didn't happen, he was well on his way to like 2,500. And I think, what was it, 20, 24, 50 something? I still think that's probably the greatest feat of strength in powerlifting history right now based on the standards of it. Yeah. Well, but then it's like, just, can, can Bell even, ma- like, right now, I think he has the. Un, or the non-tested version of that. So it's just hard to... I don't know. I, I guess I'm speaking just out of a complete assumption and speculating right now. I'm just assuming, based on where I'm standing, that it's hard to top that when people are considering it like the greatest feat of strength of all time. It's really hard to say motivated when that's the kind of... that's like You kind of hit it, and it's like, okay, now i got to go above arguably the greatest feat of strength of all time. You know, it's and it's long standing too. It's not necessarily this thing that people are just breaking left and right. I I know Jesus Oliveira's expressed interest of, you know, whoever whoever's the best, him beating him. I know Ray's not done yet. I know there's a lot of people still young who can challenge him, but like as within the near future, I just don't see him being as challenged as often as Hack. Agreed. But spe- speaking of some of the lighter guys, guys in my weight class, uh, Micah Moreno and Juan Garrison. Uh, battle of the 181s. Interesting battle here. Uh, Jawan Garrison is freakishly strong. Yes. He is a strong, strong dude. I don't know. If, is he still natural? So I I had to tiptoe around this one because I don't know, but I'm having him on the show soon. Okay. So I'll find that out pretty soon, but I believe he is. Because if he's natural... He might be the strongest natural lifter in the world right now. Yeah, I yeah. There's reasons to believe it now. How do his numbers hold up at 93 kilos? Still, obviously, amazing. But like, I mean, he's, not, if, he's not obviously on a, a deadlift bar. But he would he would still if he was at 93 kilo, he would be still the, if he was doing USAPL, he'd be one of the best at competing at 181. And why I say is he still that? I mean. I, he hasn't gained weight. His totals obviously gone crazy over the last two years, but he doesn't look like he's gained much weight, which would be the first sign of kind of hopping over. So I, I figure he's still natural, and if that's the case, that's absolutely insane what he's doing. Yeah, that might be. I mean, I mean, I, he gets overshadowed by Hack and Dan Bell, but what he's doing at 181 is insane right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's he's pushing where Hack was. When Hack was at 181 two years ago, yeah, Ab- yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm. I actually, I, I've had conversations with him, and I've followed his lifting for a bit now. But I just don't personally know too much about him, where his goals are, what his motivations were. You know, not doing USAPL and doing USPA because whenever this it comes to be, I, I think I did a poor job of explaining earlier. Whenever this question is brought up, is he natty or not? If he hasn't said he's taking anything, I have to err on the side he's not taking anything because he hasn't. Yeah, I, I assume right now he's natural. Yeah, I haven't heard anything otherwise, and that's it's just insane that he is. That yeah, it's just unbelievable. Yeah, so I would like to know just a little bit more about him because I was getting a lot of DMs from people like, "Yo, why isn't this guy in USAPL?" And I'm like, I, I honestly don't know why he's on USAPL. He would have more challenges in the US. He would have more of the challenger base in the USAPL because for 181 Raw, there's I, 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 him, Blake. I mean, if he, could, if he took those numbers and came over to the USAPL, he'd be beating Russ and Sean. 
Oh, yeah. Well, somebody was making that conversation. Like, um, I, I did get a few DMs on why he isn't doing that, and I just think that weight cut for him on the same day, he's just not going to be the same lifter. Ah, got it. So I mean, that's, a, that's, that's a complete unique. assumption from me. I'm just saying, because based on what he was saying with this current weight cut that he was going under, uh, he seemed to be having some problems with it. And if he performs on the same day, I I just don't think those numbers hold up as well. He would still be a beast eighty three. He would be within that top five range. But like it, it's not like Hack, for example. So even if you take Hack when he was two hundred and five pounds and cutting down to one eighty one, I don't think he could. I don't think his performance would have really held up as much if he had same day weigh-ins. Oh, completely agree, and that that would make more sense if. if- Juan's having to do a major weight cut down to 181. That would I, I don't, I'm not sure what weight he is, but that would make a lot more sense. Yeah. And that'll make me and that makes me more excited to interview him so we can have those conversations of what the deal is and like if like if you want to jump to the USAPL, would you do 93 instead of 83? Because you would still be in contention to win 93s pretty easily. Yeah. Uh, well, not pretty easily. I would say that uh, Jonathan Kaiko has some. Has something to say about that, but he would go That's in right. and be a immediate contender. Yep, we'll see you this weekend about Kaiko. So, um, but yeah, that was just a fun little battle. Um, I mean, Juan came out on top, but I mean, that was just fun to see the camaraderie between those two and the fun kind. Of, I mean, that kind of getting that together in the first place between Micah and Juan, and then both signing up for the showdown, they competing against each other. But yeah, my Micah and Micah's an interesting corners. What's that? At the same time. They seem very much in each other's corners at the same time. Oh, yeah. It was a very friendly competition. I loved it. Yeah, and uh, Micah could uh, sometimes come off as being quite standoffish and abrasive, but he is a really fucking nice guy. And he, if you are a serious competitor, he is completely in your corner at all times. And I, I based on his performance, though, and especially watching his deadlift, I wonder if some of those injuries that he's had in the past are really starting to reoccur. Because I know his body is taking a beating. Well, he said he's always in pain. Yeah, like, he he, ha- he actually he can't squat without wraps. That's why he does it. Like yeah. he literally, if he does one thirty five, I don't think it's one thirty five, but like he can't squat without wraps because he has no knees. Basically, like he, they hurt so bad. Yeah. So he definitely is always in pain. He's just found a way somehow to kind of like work around it and compete again. So mm-hmm. which is awesome. I mean, the mountain that dude's been through between knee injuries and pec tears, and then coming back and hitting the pretty huge PR total. I think that was seven seventy seven pound PR total. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he's, he's an, he's an unbelievable lifter himself. And uh, yeah. And I, I know he's going to be so consistently gunning for that uh, 800 pound deadlift, especially at 181. I think a much, much better lifter 181, but yeah, that was a good little battle there. And another battle battle of the young guns, the two gunslingers. Now we got Shane hunt and Brandon Strigel. Yeah, that was kind of like the the, the, the deadlift kings. Um, obviously, this is Shane Hunt's first meet, it looks like, coming over to WRPF after doing USAPL Raw Nats in 2019. Um, and they both lived up to it. I mean, what, Shane Hunt, 881 on deadlift. Brandon, 865. Brandon comes out on top for dots just because he's a lower body weight and overall total. But, um, I mean, they, they both showed out. I think they're... Eight for nine and nine for nine. We talked about people just showing up and performing. I mean, both of them did. Like there was there was no letdown on kind of what they were showing in the gym versus what they were able to put on the platform. Yeah, yeah, and it's um, not necessarily the case with all young lifters. 
Um, they really did perform. They showed some maturity. They showed some poise. And those two, the way they approach the sport, I know, especially with Brandon, Brandon um, I've had more interactions with, he, he's going to be in this for the long run. This is his thing. I have, I'm, not, I'm not saying Shane is not going to be. I just haven't had many interactions with him. But Brandon, he is going to be in the sport for the long run because he seems to be truly passionate about it. And right now, he is moving in the same trajectory as a Jamal Browner. Him and Shane. Like, I could really see them being the heir appearance when Jamal Browner, um, you know, starts to slow down. Which won't be for a while. Uh, he's still a very young guy. But he's he's def those two guys are definitely going to be within the same conversation with him um, sooner rather than later, I think. Yeah, I mean, they're both young, and they're both going to be getting newbie gains. I mean, both of them, I mean, it looks like Brandon's put on over 100 pounds on his total every meet he's done over the last two years, and it looks like Shane. I mean, Shane put on 400 pounds on his total mm -hmm. since his last meet at Raw Nationals. So, I mean, they've got a lot of room to grow, which is going to be fun because um, that, that's one issue we talk about with Untested is there seems to be kind of like the lifter in every class, and then there's not much competition after that. Like, Hack doesn't really have competition. Dan Bell kind of has competition, but we're probably never going to see Peter Petrus come over and compete against Dan Bell, the same meet and whatnot. So if we can get Brandon um, and Shane up there, that's going to be really, really final. Brandon's in the same weight class. Um, he's about, what, 180 pounds off of Jamal's current total, but with the assumption that Brandon might be able to progress a bit faster – that would be really fun to see them at the top of their weight classes, having head-to-head -head battles with the with the goats currently. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited to uh, see their progression in the sport, and uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully, I can have uh, you know both of them on the show one day. Because again, the two guys I don't really know personally, and would love to just kind of talk about what their future future is in the sport. Because I think it's incredibly bright. Um, well, let's just let's just uh, since we bought him up, let's just go with Jamal Browner right now. So. Jamal Browner is one of the world's best lifters, and I think this meet, in spite of his deadlift, I'm not going to say deadlift troubles because he pulled 948 or he pulled 900, so I'm never going to say deadlift troubles when he pulled 900. <laughs> you know what I mean? I just can't bring myself to, to say it. But with this meet, I think so many people associate him with this massive deadlift, and the guy is so well-rounded, and he is truly one of the best overall powerlifters in the world right now and his massive deadlift overshadows it and he still gets his criticisms by missing grip with near a thousand pounds and I think that sometimes overshadows his insane abilities as a lifter yeah I mean it, I mean this is me too I think most people like watch this and kind of like that's eh, kind of a letdown me like he didn't but he just set a PR total and the world record total. It wasn't a letdown. Yeah. He's, obviously, he's made some huge strides on his bench press and his squat and doesn't have to just rely on his deadlifts. I think, I mean, just because of last year, I mean, that 971 at the showdown or at the hybrid showdown last year, um, arguably was probably one of the best lifts of the entire year in 2020, if not the best lift. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that was kind of, the bar was set so high with that that we all expected that to be beat this year and it wasn't. But the fact of the matter is, is he PR'd his total like. I mean, that's the point of powerlifting. The point of yeah. powerlifting isn't just to set some world record deadlift. Um, he set the world record total, which in the grand scheme of things is more meaningful. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I 
I, I think I was in the same boat where I was just, okay, how 971 moved from last year hybrid, you know, we, we have to see a thousand fall in 2021. Like we just have to see it because that's, that's what we expected in the powerlifting community. You see a lift and you're like, okay, well, if you throw on 30 more pounds, easy, right? Look like you had 30 more pounds that day. And I, I just think when people look at his deadlift, I don't think they could quite fully grasp how difficult it is on just the human body to consistently pull over 900 pounds. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, yeah. People assume that it's like, oh, 900 pounds, that's an opener for him. It's like, no, when you talk about 900 pounds, it is an opener for him, but when you get to that weight, it's still a difficult lift to execute. Because it's 900 pounds. You're, you're really trying to control that with your hands. It's not an easy thing. Well, I'm going to be a coach and give a little unsolicited information. One thing I've noticed ever since that hybrid beat last year, he started slack pulling and wedging with a bit more spinal flexion. And his deadlift at lockout has been weird ever since. Okay. Um, you can go back and look. And he always had, he always had a little bit of thoracic flexion. I mean, a lot of the best lifters do. He started having a bit more kind of mid back to lumbar flexion. And you saw, he didn't miss on grip at this meet on 948. He missed on lockout because he said he got unbalanced at lockout. And he's been having more issues with that, having kind of that uncurling effect. Um, so yeah, it's not, it's not a big difference, but it's enough that where I feel like I've seen at his heavier weights, he's getting into a little bit more trouble at lockout than he used to. Okay. Yeah. I guess I haven't noticed that as much. Um, and I'll probably take your word for it because you're a little bit better with analyzing lifters' lifts than I am. But that could be the case. Aren't you DM DM me for coaching? Yeah, yeah, DM me for uh, deadlift advice. Which people just really want to know what's the difference between uh, regular sumo and frog stance sumo. I'm actually I'm actually an expert at that. I I could easily tell people it's like one's close and one's far. That's it. I saw that. I mean, I was. That was major keys. You should make a YouTube video on that. Yeah, I'm gonna. Yeah, I'm gonna dedicate 15 minutes of my life to uh, to to be a deadlift guru on how to move your feet in closer. But yeah, uh, I yeah I, I don't notice those things. But the only thing I can just really say for like just through personal experience. So like I, I guess his 900 is really my 700 for deadlift if you really like take that into consideration and then people like oh 700 that's your opener easy it's like no my openers are hard to hit my openers aren't effortless they like they they take a lot of concentration and making sure all the cues are right and i think once you get to that extreme heavy weight for his weight class it's always going to be the case it's always going to be everything above like 900 is going to be difficult for him but i mean his opener was at like 848 or something like that, and that was like that was one of the most impressive lifts I've seen this year so far. Because like that shouldn't that shouldn't be a thing. You shouldn't be able to move eight forty eight like it's um like it's a stuffed animal. And he did yeah. that. Like that was that was one of the most impressive lifts I've ever seen. <laughs> it might be something that it takes a while for him to match that. Because if you're looking at like I'm, I got his open powerlifting up. I mean that nine seventy one he hit last year was. I don't want to say it was an anomaly because we knew it was coming because we knew something was big. But in the sense of the rest of his meets, it was such a massive jump. And we see that sometimes with lifters, that they have like this super meet that they hit some number or total or lift. 
And it takes a little bit for them to get back to a baseline where they can recreate that on a consistent basis and not just have this one kind of anomaly meet that was kind of an outlier. Does that make sense? Like everyone has a baseline of their strength and his baseline has increased, but I feel like that was just like this super meet that it's, it might take a couple, a couple meets to be able to kind of replicate that again, to make sure that's the baseline that he can just kind of steadily do that meet to meet and be able to improve upon it. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see what the changes he makes. So now, now to some of the underrated lifters, because uh, we talked about the high-profile guys, and as far as the most underrated lifter, I think almost in the entire sport right now is Chad Penson. Chad Penson has Chad Penson has the unfortunate task of following John Hack, and that is a it's a tough thing to do. If it wasn't for Hack, we would be talking about Chad Penson right now. Because I'm trying to look here. Yeah, I mean, Chad only totaled five pounds less than Jesse Norris's meat, which we, we use Jesse Norris's meat as like the standard for so long. Yeah. And he hit 23. That was like the standard. Like that was the freakiest meat we've ever seen in our entire life. And like no one was ever going to beat that. And then Hack came along and destroyed it at 198. Chad's only five pounds under that. So, I mean, and Chad is, how old is he? 28? Um He's obviously progressing really well right now. If we're going back two years, he hit 1873 in wraps, and now he's hit 2028 raw. So in the sense of, like, status, I mean, if you're going to say Jesse Norris is a GOAT, I mean, Chad Pinson's, like, neck and neck with him right now. So, yeah, I mean, Chad Pinson, I would very much say, could be the most underrated power lifter right now. And it's just, it's just unfortunate that he's getting overshadowed by Hack because he's, he's an animal. Yeah, I I agree. Uh, I and I like I I've seen it happen so many times with him because he's he was actually winning these big meets. He puts in a total. He consistently throws on social media huge lifts, and just no one seems to notice. And it's a crazy. I notice because he's a fucking awesome dude, and I know him personally, and he's cool as shit. So I know. But every single time I look at his videos, like, dude, you're ridiculous like you're one of the premier lifters in the sport right now and it's crazy how no one acknowledges it and yeah i guess if hack doesn't exist you are talking about chad penson in this conversation of being one of the like the best power lifters currently in the game and that conversation should still be happening he is on that level of being one of the best power lifters in the game you know you know because uh, we love sports analogies he's like jim tomei of of uh, powerlifting. It's like the Jim Tome where everyone's focused on Ken Griffey Jr., Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire, and then silently Jim Tome just hits 600 home runs and no one really like notices until he's in the Hall of Fame. And then you start telling people his numbers and records and like, holy fuck, Jim Tome was really good. That's going to be the same thing with Chad. You're just going to see all these, you know, all the stories about Hack and all the other big time lifters and you... Then you explain, you know, Chad Penson's numbers, and they're going to acknowledge that, holy fuck, this guy was about as strong as anyone in the sport at that time. And we talked about some past episodes that, like, extreme bench charges, I'd argue they helped the sport. Like, yeah. I don't know if Sean gets, the, Sean gets the exposure he does if he doesn't wide stand squat and have a crazy bench charge. I'm looking at Chad's Instagram right now. And just kind of trying to get my initial reactions to it. And my initial reactions is everything's normal. Yeah. Like his squat looks really normal. His bench looks really normal. His deadlift looks really normal. He's a jack dude, but it's not like he's an outlier from everyone else in his weight class. He's a very normal guy, but he's just crazy strong. 
and I think that's one of the things that we see like in this, in the age of social media is if you're just normal, sometimes you don't get noticed as well versus when you have these extremities that are outliers from what, I mean, Russ looks different than every other 83 mm-hmm. in the APL. Sean's lifts in the sense of form looks very different. Hack looks different. Hack has that crazy weird high bar squat. Um, I mean, he, everyone seems to have a little bit of an outlier of kind of why they're noticeable in the sense of like advertising and why you, you, you tend to, they come to mind when you think of certain things. Um, I think that's probably one of the things with Chad, it's something against him. He yeah. just, he just he's very normal in the sense of what he does. And that's why I think he kind of flies under the radar because nothing like sticks out of like why you would think about him other than the fact that he's just unbelievably strong. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess maybe his, uh, his gimmick, if you will, can be, is, uh, competing like he's dressing like Suge Knight at all of his meets from now forward because he wore all the blood red in the world of that meet. So, um, I, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe that might be his gimmick, just wearing one color or just wearing all red like Suge Knight the entire time because he was bright that day. He definitely yeah. tried, I think he definitely tried to get noticed as far as attire goes. And just, he, had a, he had a tire change throughout the meet, too, and he was color-coordinating with everything. He's got his notorious lifts color-coordinating with this new singlet he put on that had some yellow accents in the in the logo. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. He's looking good. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping to see more from Chad. I know he's he's probably got some meets lined up. Uh, pro- he's gotten in. And, you know, people, like, insert of the sport know exactly how good he is. And I, actually, I would say there's a few insiders that just still overlook him. Just as because he's always going to be compared to the guy within his weight class, and that's Hack. And right now he he should be yeah he should be really like the way he's progressing is the same way we should be we talk about Jesse Norris. Yeah, I, I'm. I am. I don't want to say to blame. I am a culprit of not even. I, mean, I didn't even think about him doing this meet. Everything I thought about was Hack and Jawan and Jamal and the Micah and Dan. I didn't think about Chad and literally Chad was two dots points away from being third overall behind Hack. I mean, yeah. that could have been so. Yeah, yeah, he's up there. If we're talking about Jawan and Jamal being some of the best in the world, Chad is literally within two dot points of both of them. So, yep. Yeah, LMAO, Chad, you're the man and uh, hopefully hopefully get you on the show soon and still watch your progression cuz it's been awesome. Uh, also, another guy who was brought up as being underrated is Daniel Masenchik, but I would I would occasionally argue that he's not necessarily underrated. Very good lifter, one of the premier lifters in the USPA, but I think people are just saying that because he isn't as active on social media anymore. Like, he's a dude with a decent following. He's got his sponsorships. People acknowledge him when he does big things in the sport. But recently just doesn't seem to be posting a lot on social media. That's that's like kind of how we rate people, which is nuts. Like, King of the Lifts can't post you if you don't post anything on social media, right? And that's... That's yeah, yeah, sports, though. Like, I mean, how much... I mean... We're talking about uh, your baseball fan. Fernando Tatis is becoming like the face of baseball when Mike Trout's the best player. But Mike Trout just kind of goes about his business. And Fernando Tatis is becoming, I mean, yeah, it's not even social yeah, that's media. that's a good it's point. Like, I mean. If you, if you give this personality and you give this, this kind of storyline behind you, people draw to it. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, I mean, I would, you would probably like this uh, comparison a little bit more. Javi Baez was seemingly the marketing the marketing golden boy for major league baseball and he's nowhere near the best player in baseball uh 
<laughs> he could get that overrated label quite quick. Um, occasionally for myself, but yeah, like that's yeah the the whole marketing. I mean, I think me and Chad have talked about this before. Like, just as far as getting clout goes, and I like we were you know we talk regularly, and it's uh, like he's obviously a much better lifter than I am. But you know, I make memes. I have my gimmicks. Uh, I do two white lights, and that kind of just brings in the clout from places that really. And I have that one deadlift. Like it just, oh, I'm more marketable. That's it. But Chad's a better lifter. It's now and a belt slip. Yeah, it's a thing. Hundred percent is a thing. Like it looks like a little gimmick, and it's funny, and people joke about it. But it is one hundred percent a thing. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, Daniel Sinchek, nine oh nine squat. 849 deadlift um insane i mean unbelievably strong i think he came in fifth i think sixth overall when it comes to the male side um mm-hmm. beating out guys like micah and brandon and shane so very very strong dude yeah and um for the best female lifter we have uh Brittany terry and i just gotta ask you like terrific performance but I felt like just the female uh, talent pool was kind of lacking in this meet. Yeah, it was for sure. And that, I mean, we're only covering one female. I mean, I think Chloe Lansing had a really good meet. Um, yeah, it was definitely very much loaded on the male side. It wasn't nearly as represented. Um, Brianna had a great meet, but I mean, if you get Hunter Henderson and Mariana or Steffi competes, um, it, it, it would be a lot more of a battle. Um, where Rihanna had a, had a great Wilkes score, but in the sense of Wilkes being a little bit biased towards women. Let's see where that kind of stacks up real quick. I'm pulling it up to see kind of where she's at. Um, no, she's actually pretty far up there. That would have put her ninth all time. Yeah, so, he's, you know, he's an incredible... Yeah, he's an incredible lifter, and I, I guess he can get some of that underrated label, especially in the female side of powerlifting, because I feel like a lot of it is a lot of it's still focused on Steffi. And then if we really want to get to the just the untested side, I would say Steffi, Mariana, and Hunter are the three that people are that are focused on. I think she can be that one who's just overlooked, underrated. But I, I see it now with the female powerlifting. It feels like the, just in general, if we're going to go Pioneer Open, Showdown, uh, current U.S. Open, it feels like there's not as much of a battle going on between the untested females. Like, I can't think of too many of them aside from, like, the five we just mentioned. Because Stacey yeah. Bird would have been in that conversation, but she's retired. Been retired for a while. I mean, it just, I mean, like we said, the untested side seems to have like a tier one lifter and there's not much competition. It, it's worse on the female side. And that's because on the female side, exogenous hormones are going to meet even more in the sense of kind of what it does. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the only thing that, I mean, the thing that would be interesting is I think looking at kind of the setup here, um, Hunter's 165 and Briani's 165. So that would be the only, well, and Christy Hawkins. Um, yeah, no one else lines up in weight classes because everyone else is in different weight classes. Um, other than when Mariana and Stephanie kind of joined together for the weight classes that occurred that one year, but if Christy Hunter and Briani can all start to kind of come together a little bit more because they're only they're not crazy too far off. I mean, they're all about fifty or so pounds away from each other. Um, Christy's got about eighty pounds on Hunter, and then Hunter's got about sixty pounds on Briani. That would at least be somewhat of an interesting battle um, on the women's side if those could all come together in the same meet and compete. Yeah, 
I would, I would agree, but maybe, maybe I'm just saying that because it's just not, they're not all competing at the same meet at once. So yeah. I could be wrong as far as like, cause I guess if you look at it in that way, it's about as competitive as the USAPL female side, because when you look in the female side of USAPL, it's almost the same thing. You have a lot of people dominating their weight class, very few battles. And the only battle you're really going to get is for best overall lifter. And that was the case for a little bit there. And I mean, really, I think the last female battles that we've had were the 60 kg women um, internationally, not uh, nationally, internationally with uh, Kaloda, Leah, and uh, Sam Calhoun, and then Amanda and Dan- Danny, of course. Like everything else, I don't really see a whole lot of uh, super close competition between the other weight classes. Yeah, I think we'll have a little bit, yeah, I mean, for the most part. And you got a couple people dropped off. And Marie, was it Maria T and Meg Scanlon were battling pretty good, but I don't know if Meg's really how her training is going. Obviously she just had a kid, so I don't know what she's done. So yeah, I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of similar. I think if we're, when we talk about actually having battles, it seems like the USAPL men's side is the one that kind of like shines light that we, every single class seems to have two or three lifters who at any given point could possibly take that number one spot, depending on the year, the meter, how performances go. So, um, yeah. So yeah, that was, uh, the hybrid showdown. Um, I guess at this point we got to talk about, you know, it was a terrific meet, awesome lifts, huge numbers being moved, a lot of high-level lifters competing. But uh, I would assume with that platform, the live stream would have been a little bit better. Yeah, that would have been nice. That would have been nice. I mean, something we talked about on the episode with Sean and Garrett, and I didn't get to chime in on kind of my opinion on this, but I, my argument is money meets – and like Garrett kind of brought this attention, like why aren't like why aren't USAPL lifters like attracted to money meets? Money meets are for a lifter, not the lifters. Mm-hmm. It, it's for John Hack. It's for Yuri Belkin. It's for Mariana to get a paycheck. It's not for the lifters. Um, and I'm not saying that necessarily Hybrid did this. They could have allocated funds to this. But a lot of these meets, they put all the money into giving these huge prize pools, and then they don't make the meet up to the standard of like the Arnold, the raw nationals. Like think if the Arnold, the raw nationals just made the meat very bland and then took all that money. They'd have the biggest prize pool, no problem, but they're putting all the money into making sure the meat is the best meat for every lifter that steps on that platform. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. That's actually a really good take on that. And I guess everything was there aside from the live stream, right? Like the look of it was pretty solid. In my opinion, as far as it being a gym, goes, the production was fine. Value. It didn't have the production value of the Arnold or Raw Nationals, but oh, I'm no. fine with that. I get not, that that's completely fine. Um, but yeah, I mean that's that's a. I mean, I'm just going to throw it out there. You, we were talking. You guys were talking about plenty. I'm sure for the purposes of knowing what this would do for his business, I bet Al Alvarado would be happy to have gone down there and done the live stream for them. Probably, possibly for free, knowing that the outreach that he's going to get from that would have been phenomenal. And so. Yeah, that seemed like a pretty easy thing to cover, knowing that like how many people wanted to, to view in and watch that, that the live stream would be something that you put a little more emphasis on. Yeah, it would be very nice. Cause I know. Yeah, and we I was just... thousand plus people watching at all times, I think. Oh, yeah, it was, it, was a very, it was a very interactive Twitch live stream, too, with a lot of comments. They got to figure out something about the comments, because, uh, by the way, people, those Evan Cardon comments aren't fucking Evan Cardon. You guys are the most easily duped global people in the world on the the comment section of Twitch. So just for a little uh, side note, stop being fooled by troll accounts. Like, 
but it was very interactive with a lot of different lifters. You could like, you know, the strength athlete was in there, squat to depth was in it, I was in it, JP Carroll was in it. A lot of guys were just talking with each other back and forth. I think that's really cool for the sport. And I thought due to hybrid always being in the standard that they always have this sleek, sleek professional content they always deliver, I just thought the live stream would be on par with squat to death. Not as good, but on par. I figure hybrid, they have an employed videographer, I would think. Yeah. Or social media person. Like I, yeah, like I said, that it, it worked. We could all watch it. That just seemed like a, a really good opportunity, though, to be able to put together a great live stream that, again, it, keep, we can send that link to our buddies so who don't power lift and say, dude, you got to watch this. This guy's about to squat 1,102 pounds. Well, it's not, unless you're putting anime music in the background like I did, it just didn't have the same excitement watching it with no sound. And But the sound, all right, the sound, though, is, I obviously would like there to always be sound, especially commentary. I, I am big on it being presented similar to a professional sport. But to me, it was more so the graphic and the video angle. Like, that's, yeah, that, yeah. that that loading, the loading chart was not necessary. You didn't need that there. And the 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 attempts, the no lifting was just a distraction. It, it like would move in on the lifter while it was going on. I just hated it. Like so if I was gonna send my friend that, they'll be like, Oh, I thought you were just gonna send me a video of a guy squatting or like some heavily or some heavily produced video of a sporting event. And instead it's just, you know, it seems like a very amateurish uh video being taken. Yeah, for sure. And I think some people are like, well, why complain about this? You got a live stream, like this is silly to complain about. Well, I think the reason like this is a big deal is we talked about on the how to make this, if powerlifting is going to be mainstream, on the untested side, probably the best opportunity is through hybrid. Whether it's through Kratos, it's through the showdown, they have the best uh, connections and probably outreach to be able to get this out there to the masses. So I don't want to say it's their responsibility to have a better live stream, but if someone's going to be able to put together like a amazing event, an amazing live stream that can get some publicity, it would be hybrid. So it was just kind of like they had such an opportunity to be able to grow the sport through that, I feel like, um, and to set a standard of what's going to come that it was a bit underwhelming that the live stream wasn't up to par. Yeah, the people the don't why are you complaining about this? People suck. I hate those type of type of people. Why are you complaining about this? Like, shut up. It's because of you nothing has changed. The people who don't complain about things. And people who don't at, tell other people how to fix certain things. Shut up. Like, don't tell me. Well, at least you get to watch it. Don't give me that shit. Then if I get, if we do that, you're going to complain about it in five years how it sucks. Just, yeah, let me complain and hopefully they could fix things. But, yeah, I was surprised by that, and I know they could do better, and I just don't think it was a priority for that. It just seemed like it wasn't a priority, which, again, I was, I thought uh, knowing hybrid and what they do, that would be a priority. But, you know, we could still see all the lifts, and it, it was good enough. Um, compared to, like, three years ago, yeah, this live stream was amazing. Because three years ago, live streams for powerlifting sucked ass. So... Also, you know, with uh, with big meets comes a little bit of controversy. We did Hot Take Sunday. I think a lot of people were nitpicking the meets with a lot of the calls. I thought the judging and the calls were fantastic pretty much all day. I had no problems with it. Very 
well-ran meet, very consistent judging with everything. But there was one that you spotted. I had to be later told what happened, and Al Alvarado DM'd me. Uh, Julius Maddox. It actually should have been one of the top stories because of just the amount of bench press, and they actually loaded it correctly. But that second attempt bench press of, how much was it? 700? 781, I think. Yeah, I think it was 781. Um, uh, A non-existent phantom start call. Or start command. Yeah. yeah. I mean, people are saying, oh, well, he got the lift. It was still a good lift. It was easy. He he, 100,000% did not get a start command. Yeah. He, you, can, you can very plainly hear that. You can see that on the views where you can see the ref. He got a press command. He got a rack command. That looked good. Even though it was easy, stabilizing 781 pounds for about three seconds waiting for a start command is going to take a lot of energy. Um, that's one of the reasons a lot of people don't perform as well on bench press come meet time is because they're not used to having to hold it waiting for a start command. He definitely didn't get it. It should have been a red light. Now you can say, oh, well, well, uh, uh, Atwood should have gotten a red light for dropping his deadlift. Yeah, probably should have. Yeah. There, there's things like Honestly, so while it should have been red lights, and it was kind of disappointing that that's how it kind of played out to be, I would say that one still gives more credit than what his world record was like a year ago when he very obviously jumped the rack command and never locked it out. <laughs> that one, to me, was more of an issue. This one, I'm like, okay. okay. Wait, was it? He didn't Man, it should have been reds, but I'll, I can, I can deal with it. Wait, was that the one where the spotters and loaders just like completely dropped it on his face? Yes, that one. Okay. Yeah. That one was not locked out. He jumped. That that was not a good lift. I'm just going to plainly say it. This one, obviously, other than not getting a start command, it was good. But he didn't get a start command. It, yeah. So here's the thing. There was more controversy around that lift. Um, than, since the Sanders, it should have been very obvious lights. Yeah, uh, based on the one that you were just referring to last time that he took a world record bench press, like yeah. people people actually did call that lift out of being a uh, a red lighted lift, and I don't, I I actually I guess on uh, certain videos I can't really see the rack and start commands because I did not know he got didn't get a start command until Al messaged me like it was a great lift, but he was there was no clear evidence of the start command. Then I rewatched it. I'm like, oh no, there wasn't. Then I want to go on Hayden's page and actually see the head judge. I'm like, nah, yeah, he did not give that start command at all. Um, but I guess like there's going to be less controversy surrounding this one because it's such a small thing. That's what I was kind of telling people. Like it's different from a blatantly high squat because this was the conversation was holding it to a standard. Like, well, like, what do you have to say about, you know, you always have this criticism towards these backyard federations calling these high squats, and then you kind of ignore this one. I'm like, I'm really not ignoring it. I'm saying it's a red light lift, but it's just, it's not as noticeable. So you don't get as much controversy, because I think we're the only ones who are really talking about it on Two White Lights. You know, King of Lifts isn't bringing it up. Garrett, the red light bandit, isn't really, uh, or the red light police isn't really speaking about it so if it's not as noticeable as a super duper high squat or a really really soft deadlift no one talks about it in the sport which i mean i'm not saying it's the worst thing in the world because i rather them have attention to like blatantly horribly missed calls and just people making a mockery of the sport i just think in this case 
it was a a brain fart on a lot of accounts. I think he just got too amped up. He jumped to start command, and how quick the weight moved, and probably how crazy the crowd was going. The judges were just like, "Yeah, we're gonna white light him. We're not red lighting him right now." This one's a this one's a really good uh, comparison to Taylor's deadlift. Yeah, like he got like there was no doubt he got it. Probably if he had to wait for a start command, he still would have got it. It's almost like we know Taylor's deadlift should have had a red light, but we almost kind of cheered for it not to because we're like, ah, yeah, he just had a little part. But the amazingness of it, we're like, we're cheering for him versus a blatantly high squat or a ramp deadlift that is just not even to lifting standards in any way, shape, or form. It, there is a difference. I, I, I'll, I'll say there. I believe, in my opinion, that there is a difference between this and Taylor versus just a blatantly high squat because, like I said. Should have been a red light, but I I'm personally okay if it's not. Like I can I can I can live with it, and I'll call that the world record bench press because he's probably just gonna break it again anyways. So yeah, yeah, I mean, for sure. I, yeah, and again, like the Taylor Atwood uh, deadlift. I mean, that was the time that I really had to eat my own crow because it was just I just went on a rant prior to Taylor's deadlift of how good the USAPL judging is, and then that happens, and I have to like. Fuck, all right, now I got to go back. I got to, you know, argue against this. And I said a point blank. If they would have red-lighted him, and like, yeah, that's a red-light lift, dude. Like, that's what you get for dropping or slamming a deadlift on the floor and obviously dropping it. Uh, but everyone in powerlifting is okay with something that is completed and done properly for the most part. And just, like, at a at the last moment, like, something that doesn't really affect the lift, getting a red light. And very similar with the Julius Maddox one, I... Part of me is like, I'm, I'm pretty happy that they didn't give him a red light because that would have just sucked. Like, I, I guess powerlifting gods owe him a mulligan. Like, all right, we fucked up your bench press last time by, you know, having the spotters and loaders misload it. Uh, this time, you don't even need a start command. You're good. We, I agree. I, agree. We, I didn't think about that. that, is, that is yeah, true. we owe you one. Julius, we owe you a call. Yes, he was owed on this one, so I think the, we're all even on everything now. And from here on out, let's make sure that we don't misload and we give him star commands. So yeah, and really, you know what? The, but you know, it's funny. You can't actually, if you're the head judge. Here's, I mean, it's just, a, I guess, a funny uh, situation with that could always happen within powerlifting. He could always just say that he gave the start command. Right? He could always say that. It's like, yeah, I said it really, really yeah. softly that no one heard me. Like, oh, okay. okay. <laughs> right? Like, I guess I can't even argue that. Like, if you whispered it and Julius heard it, then all right. I guess we could we could pass it, and it was a good lift. Because you can't really say – I mean, he could easily have that argument. Because I have people in my DM saying, like, I think it was so muffled and it was so loud you couldn't hear it. It's like, um, I don't, I don't think that's the case, man. I, I don't think that based on how start commands are given. I don't think – Anyone will ever whisper it, but you can always use that argument. It makes me feel better. Yeah. And one thing, too, coming from a judge perspective, and especially if I was at this meet, the only judge that probably had any idea that the start command wasn't given was the head judge. Yeah. Um, that was a very commonly missed call um, sometimes by side refs because you can't hear. Yeah. And especially with how crazy people were going, it, it, you almost kind of have to second think, like, as you're judging sometimes, you're like, did, did they give the start command? Like, you, you don't know as a side judge. And, like, if you have to err on the side of I don't know, you kind of just have to give it to them. So that's another thing is, like, kind of the side judges. That was probably a two-to-one – that was two That was two white lights. 
Yeah. Because like you probably couldn't certainly say that the start command wasn't given because they probably couldn't hear in the first place what was going on. It was, it was going to be hard to kind of know, hear it going on in the first place. So that would have been a very hard one for the side judges to red light. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, that's why hand signals are always good. That clear start command is always good for those two side judges. I like, you know, Steffi was doing that uh, with the squat, like very clear on when to squat so everyone who is spot, who is judging the meet knows what the commands are. But yeah, I mean, it could it could still, yeah. I mean, you could always use that argument if if people want to use that argument uh, on his deadlift or on his bench press. I'm totally fine with that. Like, yes, absolutely, I will get on board with your argument because I really can't even disprove it at this point, and ignorance is bliss. So, because I want that, I want that deadlift, I want that bench, or I want that bench press to pass. It was fucking awesome. It was great. One of the best press, best best bench presses I've ever seen. Two of the best bench presses I've ever seen. It's John Hack's amazing ability to have a soft touch pause and control insane amount of weight for his body weight and his bench press. So, yeah, that was something we talked about that just real quick right now. You brought up the beginning of the show because some people were like, "Oh, they." I think that was one of the hot takes. Is uh, Hack was getting fast press commands? Hack is the goat with controlling that soft touch. That was very, very good press commands for him because he is unbelievably good at controlling that pause to where he gets fast press commands. Yeah, he's the best anyone at else, everything. Anyone else, yeah, anyone else is going to be sinking that and being on Yeah, he's just amazing at it. And not, not only that, the fact that his feet were slipping like crazy and he still was able to hit that. Yeah, apparently someone, uh, one of the judges messaged me. Apparently it was just a bit of a slick platform that day. Like, people were slipping all day. They were co- constantly trying to clean it. I don't know why that is, but, yeah, that was a thing. Uh, I didn't notice until I heard someone say it, and I went and looked at his lift, and his feet slipped pretty darn good. Yeah. So. Yeah, and, yeah, of course, you know, he's the best at everything, best at high bar squatting, best at soft touch bench pressing, best at conventional deadlifting. We get it, John Hack. You're amazing. Is he the best at memes? Are you going to get Oh, God, he's good. He's good at that, too. He's fucking funny. That pisses me off. He's he's good at everything, and he's fucking funny. Like, when Russ made that video of, like, the deadlift setups and, like, he's getting on TikTok, I'm like, oh, God damn it, he's funny, too. Couldn't he be cringe for me? Like, couldn't he just be not funny and be like, whoa, dude, Russ, you got to work on your comedy. This is actually, just stop doing it. No, he's he's funny. He's a funny guy, too. He has a sense of humor. And John Hack is a funny guy, too. So he's probably better at memes than me. I don't know much things he's not better than everyone else at. I don't believe you watch Always Sunny in Philadelphia, do you? Oh, I love Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Yeah, I thought that then because I'm a big I'm a big hack meme fan because he goes always sunny and that's my favorite. Oh, I mean, yeah, that's I mean, yeah, I remember I'm like, you know, it's going to be an easy way for hack to find this thing funny that I made. Make it always sunny in Philadelphia. meme. I mean, one a while back uh, about a deadlift setup when they were wearing the jean shorts. Remember that uh, that scene? He was getting out wider. I made a meme about that. and Yeah, hack immediately liked it and he. Definitely did not know, because I was just, like, not even, I was barely, barely into the sport of powerlifting, but, yeah, Hack's the best at everything, but, yeah, we brought it up the, uh, just the, I, I mean, I put on the Two White Lights page because I'm frustrated when people have these arguments with me, and I'm all, I'm all okay with arguments, don't get me wrong, but I just, when you're blatantly incorrect about a lot of things, that's when I really start getting into the argument mood, because people... 
say that Julius Maddox paused his bench for an incredible long period of time. No, he did not. He sunk it into his chest. It's still a good lift. I'm not saying that he got a quick command, but that's not a pause. When the bar is sinking into your chest, that is not a pause. Your pause can be anywhere from a half a second to three seconds long, depending how much you move the bar on your chest. And people still don't get that in powerlifting. They don't understand the rule. The basic rule of getting a press command is not when the bar is paused for a period of time. It's when it's not moving. So a lot of times I actually get a pretty quick press command because I don't try to sink into my chest at all. I try to just hold it as quick as possible and then get that press command. Yeah. Yeah. Quick little tip. Most people who are not big dudes typically do better with some kind of soft touch for that reason is they tend to get better press yeah. commands because they don't let it sink into them and then they don't get these exponentially long press commands because they wonder why. Well, because the bar was motionless. So quick little coach tip. Uh, if you're getting long press commands, switch to more of a soft touch style. Yeah, and I think there was a lot of the uh, nitpicking with the meat as well because on the Hot Take Sunday, I was getting a lot of these. And, you know, I really have to get that that my opinion out there on this is there's a difference between blatantly high squats and nitpicking events. Somebody tried to argue me that Daniel Bell's squats went past an IPF standards, and I'm like, I don't know how you can say that when Ray Williams gets squat calls, and it's very hard to judge his depth too, and he is for sure not an ass-to-grass squatter because I don't think it's possible for Ray Williams to be an ass-to-grass squatter. Same thing with Daniel Bell, and he's noticeably getting lower. All of these things are nitpicking because his squat was to depth. People were nitpicking the deadlift too, saying there was up-and-down movement, and Again, and people are doing that with hack. Up and down movement is a very, very hard thing to call in powerlifting. You don't know if the bar is moving up and down or it's moving in a certain direction that creates this illusion of up and down movement. And when it's that small and when you're seeing it in real time, you should probably err with the lifter unless it's incredibly obvious. And I think if people just watch a little bit more sports – and not under, and not be so victimized of the instant replay, they would understand these just a little bit better. Because when you watch it 16 times, I mean, you're going to watch it 16 times because King of the Lifts reposted that meet 16 times in a day. So you're going to see all the angles. You're going to see an angle that you don't like. But in real time, the judges have one chance to call a lift. And if it's you know up and down movement or possibly up and down movement, Chances are they're going to give the white light because it's a very, very hard thing to judge. Question for you. Hack doesn't lose grip on 400.5 kg. Is it white lights? What's your opinion? Wait, what do you mean? So if he holds it at that point? If he doesn't lose grip, because it could have been ramping. No, I, I, was, I knew he was missing that lift because he started ramping. I'm red lighting it. If you're, t- if you're asking me to play judge, yeah, he would have ended up blocking okay. it out. Is it red lights? Oh yeah, for sure. Does he get red lights though? Oof. I will. I mean, that would be. I would say yes. Lift, and it would have been actually a shame if they would have given it to him. And I don't think he's someone who wants gifts. But I, you know, I don't know if after that grind they would have been able to. It, it, that would have taken some balls on the judges to, to red light it. Yeah, I mean. Uh, yeah, I mean, for me, from that, I mean, just from the live stream, like, clear, obvious red light to me. Like, Daniel Bell, for example, on his deadlift, he has a bit of a weird lockout. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And from my angle looking at it, I'm white lighting it. But if a judge red lights it, I'll be like, all right, like, I can kind of see the call. Um, in Hack's case, if he does, like, hold it with, because I think it was a soft lockout, too. Like but he lost grip before he even got to it. He yeah, but I, I don't know, it felt like he was holding on to it. I mean, at the very last second, he let, ran out of talent, so I guess he is human after all. Everyone's, uh, everyone's suspect to running out of talent occasionally. But I, I, I like, oh, very similar to the Russ situation at his mock meet, where, like, you can kind of tell the bar was slipping, but he had a soft lockout, so he held it for a little bit. Got white-lighted because it was a mock meet that didn't matter. But he, I, in that situation, like, minus even the grip, you can just tell it's a soft lockout. Like, for me, it's like so many red lights all over the place. And the bar is moving, too. So, um, I don't know. Yeah, that's, if they had the balls to red light it. And, yeah, he is the type of guy who would probably say something. I don't know within the time, but he would probably get on social media and say, yeah, I was gifted because, again, he was pretty adamant like if they would have red lighted me on that up and down movement i wouldn't have argued like it happens occasionally on my squad that there is up and down movement he was very close he was it was a borderline call but me looking at that video five times i'm like eh, i still can't really come up to a clear decision of if it's a white or red light so i'm just gonna give him a white light because it wasn't blatantly obvious that he missed the, that he missed the lift the problem is when they're blatantly insanely high that's the problem. That's the problem we have in powerlifting when the squat is insanely high. There was one call at hybrid. I don't know if you saw it. It was Cowboy Cam. I love you, Cowboy Cam, but there was a deadlift call that was very soft, and he got the, the white lights on it. So, it like, th- that kind of stuff I don't like. Like, it was, it was a blatant miss. But that was hybrid. Fantastic meets. Can't wait till we get more of these. We have Texas Strength Classic coming up. You're going to be at that. We're going to watch some live streams on it. You're going to see it in person, so you don't even have to watch a live stream. I get the pleasure of watching a live stream. So I'm excited about that. But we got to talk about one of the two white lights discussion, the debate. It seems like ages ago when we bought it up. And we mentioned some of the potential candidates. Who should be on the logo of powerlifting? Expanding all federations and i did have to put in through per request we have to separate it for untested to tested which we thought we could avoid that but no there's enough ipf elitists and usap elitists out there that need there to be some distinction between the two all right well i think in the discussions it kind of went one or two ways it's like some people were just saying who's the goat of powerlifting which is in my opinion, wasn't the question. It's who should be the logo. And I would reframe it. This is being Steve and being analytical and probably overthinking it. Is I'm not thinking who should be the logo. I'm thinking what should be the logo in the sense of the silhouette. Yeah. And my argument is that a conventional deadlift or possibly frog stance deadlift would need to be the silhouette of powerlifting. Because I think when you think of powerlifting, the most recognizable lift in the sense of a silhouette is a deadlift. Mm-hmm. If you're talking to people outside of the lift, I think the deadlift is the most recognizable lift. Um, and in the sense of looking at a silhouette, a squat looks a little bit kind of, eh, I shouldn't say muddied, but it's not as easily silhouetted. That's a word. Um, the bench definitely doesn't look good. The conventional deadlift looks the cleanest. Um, I think when we see a lot of meat logos, um, you, you get a you get a best lifter trophy. You're going to get a deadlift at the top, a deadlifter person at the top of your trophy. Um, 
it, it seems to be the best uh, representation. And so then if we're going from there, if we can agree on a conventional deadlift or maybe a frog stance deadlift, because a sumo takes it changes what the silhouette can be because of the width and everything, and it just doesn't look as clean in my opinion, um, then I think we get into – I I don't know if he's untested or tested. Ed Cohn and Lamar Gant. Obviously, Ed Cohn's untested. I don't know if Lamar Gant was – tested or untested or what he, what he was. But those are my two arguments of who should be the silhouette because I think their list best represent what is powerlifting in the sense of the silhouette of them as well as represent, at least in some manner, someone who was a uh, high influencer within the sport. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, yeah, because, I mean, this is the reason why I made the post. I wanted to see where people would go with this. And I was like, all right, let's see if they are going to make the same arguments that I would or they're going to take it in a complete different direction because you and I know that logos don't necessarily mean who's the best player ever. You know what I mean? They, they, I, I bought up the Jerry West example. Like Jerry West was not the best NBA player of all time, but his, his whatever for whatever reason, he just looked cool enough to get on the NBA logo, and what he did for the sport was big. But, you know, MJ could be on the, if we're going by goats, it could be Michael Jordan, it could be Kobe, it could be LeBron, whatever you want. But we know that's not how logos work. And it was just funny to see people just really throw out who they think is the best lifter in the world and why they should throw it on a logo. And I was kind of in the same way as you. I'm like, all right, I, I think a symbolic person to have on the, the logo is always a good thing, just a person who's a symbol to the sport. And I think that's a it's a really special thing to do for someone. Like, almost immortalizes them. Like, making them the logo. Like, Jerry West is going to be known as the logo guy for the rest of his life. And for powerlifting, I was thinking the same way. But also, I was thinking, well, what should be the image? And here's why I disagree with you on the conventional deadlift. You're, like... The conventional deadlift for you is something that's perfect to depict in powerlifting. For me, it's not. For me, it's a sumo deadlift. Because a sumo deadlift is so unique to powerlifting. That's like the powerlifting... That's like a change that is for powerlifting. That is a technique change specifically for powerlifting. And I know it'll piss a lot of people off, which would be even better. It'll just shut down the entire argument right there. Conventional sumo, which one's better? It's like, well... The powerlifting logo is Sumo, so why don't you guys just shut the fuck up and let Sumo be the king. But that's like what I think of powerlifting. It's not conventional deadlifting, it's actually Sumo deadlifting. And Ed Cohen has the most aesthetically pleasing deadlift of all time. So, I get what you're saying, but I think you're coming You're coming from a powerlifter's perspective. I'm coming from anyone looking into powerlifting even outside of it. Where sumo, they're gonna. It's not as recognizable where conventional is. So, but that's where. Okay, this is where yeah. it's easy. We said we're gonna separate it into tested versus untested. We're just gonna make both sides happy. We're both gonna get happy. Ed Cohn is the untested, and I did look. Lamar Gant is very much the tested side. So Lamar Gant, conventional deadlift. He's the tested logo. Ed Cohn's the untested logo. Not only because he's sumo to make you happy. Not only because he's a goat. But I'm pretty sure on the untested side, people would burn things to the ground if you don't make Ed Cohn the silhouette. Oh, yeah, for sure. No, yeah, I think that's the thing. The overall number one guy, I think, is Ed Cohen. I think he is, like, you have to put him on hybrid sumo. L.S. McLean even brought up, like, he has the best pitcher in powerlifting. That that hybrid sumo, that pitcher of him deadlifting is, like, the best powerlifting pitcher, in my opinion. 
Um, and especially just how like quickly recognizable is like, oh, that's Ed. Boom. Like it's it's very very few of that in powerlifting. Very few iconic pitchers. But here's here's um, another person that I think was it had to be the number two overall, and I think is the untested side is Ray Williams. And yeah, I'm looking through it right now. Ray was probably the second most mentioned. Well, there's three: Cone, um, John Hack, and Ray. Those are the three most mentioned ones. Yeah, and really, if you put Hack on there, like you couldn't even tell it's Hack, unless yeah. it's a setup. Like that's a, that's a funny thing. Like, well, because everyone was like, uh, when they made that logo, like the hybrid stance logo. Um, I'm like, well, that could easily be me, right? I'm like, I'm just gonna call claim that it's that's me. Is the I'm the logo of powerlifting because I deadlift the same thing. So if you have Candido on the cover, or if you have T- Candido as a logo, Hack as the logo, it's like no one can even tell who the fuck that is. Anyways, <laughs> they'd be like, is that just generic lifter guy? We can't really tell. But if it's Ray Williams, you would probably be able to tell right away it's Ray because he's super heavy. And I would I would still argue like he's a guy that he he was one of my picks for it because I think. Like like Ed Cohen, he is someone that can be immortalized in the sport for all the influence that he had. But to your thing, is it a very aesthetic logo that would appeal to the masses? And I don't think it would because it'll he's like he'll probably be him squatting, right? Yeah, that'd be him squatting, and that's hard. Honestly, it's the nicest way possible. But if you got someone like Ray or Dan Bell squatting as the silhouette, it's mainly just them and you don't really see much barbell. And it doesn't really register. Like you just now see a very big human being as a silhouette. And then you're like, what is this about? Oh, I kind of see these plates on the side now. Yeah. Is that him squatting or those shoulder pads? Yeah. Like he doesn't like again, Eddie Cohn, his silhouette and someone made it and you posted it. You can, everyone I think knew that was Ed Cohen because not only does he have a very, you kind of know his shape, but also that stance is very known. Lamar Gant, he actually, I, I don't think people know it just because modern day power, there's no Lamar Gant. But if you see Lamar Gant's silhouette and you know who Lamar Gant is, his is actually very noticeable too. Because that guy may have the longest arms in the history of powerlifting. Yeah. He is actually a very noticeable one too. But yeah, I, I, just, I just don't know if, even though Ray would definitely deserve it, and I, would, I, I get why. I just don't know if that, if we're talking like in the sense of what a logo is supposed to be, if that would be aesthetically pleasing enough to, to be able to be as marketable as you'd want it to be. Part of me just really wants someone who has Dan Bell shape and Ray Williams shape to be on the logo. Just because. We, we may just need to do a whole segment of, not them, but like joke logos. Yeah. And like put the guy who does the shrugs as the logo. Yeah. Or, um, Evan Cardon is a logo in general of him with him with St. Louis arch back and straps. Like, yeah. Well, what, what's all the what's all the meme logos silhouettes we can make with people? Yeah, I would. Yeah, I would love to do that on Two Eye Lights page. I I think I think just Noriega and the bar would be funny, and like his feet a little bit over the bar, him falling backwards would be a pretty funny one. Or Jamal Browner looking at his hands. I don't know if it's if it's Perkins or Sean. Yeah, good point. I mean. Perkins. Or if we're going back to Russ's video, yeah, could it just be Michael C. Conventional? Just the bar. Uh, 
sorry. Yeah, I guess we're, yeah, we're going to be throwing a lot of people under the bus right now. But I, th- but like, I would just love, part of me seriously would just be like, so when Daniel, when Dan Bell was kissing to the crowd, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, I would love that to be the logo. Like, you see the bars and you see Dan Bell with his hands up kissing to the crowd. But you see this super heavyweight build on a logo. We would be the first logo to really show, like, a super heavyweight as opposed to, like, a regular proportioned human. Like, on a logo. I think it would be hilarious. A silhouette needs a background. It would just be Dan Bell as the entire thing. (laughs) Yeah, I know. It'll be funny to me. Like, I know know I'm always like, yeah, we got to make the sport serious and stuff. But, yeah, part of me just sometimes wants to make a joke out of something. And I think, I mean, really, in my mind, to a regular person or regular, like, gym rat, when they think of powerlifting, I think a guy who looks like Dan Bell comes to their mind. Like, bald, big beard, fucking huge, drinks beer, insanely strong, moves a lot of weight, and in wraps. Like, that's what I pretty much thought powerlifting was when I first got into the sport. So like, yeah, I, I agree on that. That's what, that's what people think. Like when I say I'm a powerlifting coach, people look at me weird. Like you look like you're a runner. Yeah. You don't look like you're a power. They associate power. So guys look like Dan Bell. Um, so yeah, I get that. It's just the difference between representation of what a power lifter looks like versus what a silhouette best represents. Yeah, so for sure. And I'm, I think I'm, I'm all, I'm, I would not be opposed to conventional deadlift. Uh, Lamar Gant being his deadlift in particular on the logo. But I think for me, uh, Ed Cohen hybrid stance sumo I think this has to be the logo and especially it'll forever etch him into powerlifting history if that ever happens so and I think he's the guy who deserves it I, I, if we're picking one I can I can be okay with saying Ed Cohen is the one because that just that's that's in so many ways that works out well yeah yeah someone recommended Jen Thompson standing on the bench I'll be like that's gonna be the shittiest logo of all time just because he has to put the whole bench in have her stand on it and then put it into a silhouette. Hard logo to pull off, guys. <laughs> like what? I want to see one with you. I mean, your silhouette mocking your heeled shoes, but that wouldn't show well enough. So it need to be you in high heels. <laughs> Let's just take a uh, Angelo in high heels, frog stance, deadlifting silhouette. Yeah, I mean, again, if you, I mean, I guess I'm partially biased here because if you put Ed Cohen, I could just easily tell people, I'm like, yeah, it's me. Because people, I mean, it's a disrespect to Ed Cohen when people see me do close stance deadlifts, and they're like, "Oh, that's how Angelo deadlifts." I'm like, "Okay, it's uh, <laughs> like I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, like I'm not gonna even tell people like, yeah, the the be- one of the best, the best, arguably the best powerlifter of all time did that. It's not he, and he did it obviously way before I did. So, uh, but I mean, it could, I mean." Uh, Time will tell if it just, especially with the modern day lifters, I could just easily tell a young 16 year old like, oh yeah, that's me. And they don't even know who Ed Cohen is. So um, history's on my side on this one. Yeah. but That's interesting. For sure. That is, no, that that is indeed interesting. That's that's yeah. very interesting. Per se, it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't say it was interesting per se, but you know what was interesting per se? Uh, so I guess this kind of died down a little bit, 
mainly because the USAPL didn't make any announcement that pissed off everyone recently. <laughs> so maybe that's why it died down. But Raw Nationals, the registration, the criteria to get into USAPL Raw Nationals, the poster child, or the current poster boy, or the face of the USAPL, uh, made a video of it. And I'm actually... Part of me is actually kind of happy that a bunch of powerlifters who are fans of Russ are like, yo, you're way off base on this shit. Like, they just really didn't agree with him. And I kind of like that because that means that, I mean, there are people who, you know, nut hug like crazy and Russ has his fair share of those. But I felt like a lot of powerlifters were just like, nope, we don't like your stance on this one, Russ. And he did headline it as his politically incorrect view on Raw Nationals. And I know you had your uh, displeasure with it, so I'll let you take the lead on this one. Yeah, I mean, I think he knew it was coming. I think I would say the vast majority of people seem to disagree with him. And partially, he's been a little bit more... uh, uh, showing his personality and what he thinks lately. He used to be very politically correct. Now he just kind of says what he wants to. And he, he may be, from what I think he meant, I think he may have said it in a, a way that came across arrogant, um, mm-hmm. which was very well said in the comments, people calling him arrogant with it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I didn't, I didn't agree. I think, I think the biggest thing, uh, I'm okay with the opinion. I think the only thing that hurt me and where I, I definitely don't agree is he seemed to have no issue with that, but... At the end of the video, he talked about how he's still annoyed by the media thing, which that just seemed to be cherry picking what affects you. Yeah. Um, what if he bombed out at 2019 Raw Nats and he wasn't getting an invite? Um, now, he would have gotten an invite, I guess, to the IPF Worlds, but through the first criteria before they changed it, he wouldn't be getting an invite. Would he still be thinking that this was the best way to do it? Oh, yeah, exactly. And actually, I, I actually don't mind people calling him arrogant for this. I because he is taking an arrogant point of view, and I, and I think, because I, I said this on uh, my Instagram live, uh, a lot of people were asking me about this. Because immediately when I went on Instagram live, people had like so many different questions for me regarding this, and I said, yeah, it was a selfish view because he was only focusing on what affected him, and that's all I could really expect. You know, when something only affects you, you complain about it more. And this doesn't affect him at all, so he is going to be rather arrogant in how he portrays his opinion on it because it literally doesn't affect him. In his mind, he doesn't care about people who are three and below because why should he? He doesn't need to. He is the best lifter in 83 kg or in 83 kilos, and those people aren't as important as Sean and possibly the third place guy. So I understand why he has that opinion. And really, he doesn't have the responsibility to have the opinion of the masses. This is what kind of irked me from other people. It's like, he has such a great platform and he can speak on such good things. But I'm like, yeah, but it's not his responsibility to say things that you want him to say. It's not. And I actually respect that because... Not a lot of people do that. Not a lot of people actually give out their real opinions on things. And you could tell this is his real opinion. He doesn't care about 3 through 10 at Raw Nationals. We now know that. I have no problems with that because he doesn't need to. But 
there are just some contradictions in his argument. Because he said, if you're not top five, why do you even care? It's like, okay, do you know how competitions work? Those guys who are five through ten can easily become one through five. That's how competitions usually work. And then if you're talking about top three, there's five to six guys who fall in that six to ten range who can be top three. That's what people wanted to see, and especially in 83 kg weight class that he's at. And what you alluded to, in 2019, he almost bombed out. Guess what happens in 2020 if he actually does bomb out? Those 6 through 10 guys all of a sudden become a little bit more important. And actually, there's more of a chance for people to win if the top guy does bomb out. That's why you show up to competitions. He did say in the video, like, if you're 6 through 10, just compete at a local meet because you're not going to win anyway. I'm like, well, if you bomb out, you're not going to win anyway either. And apparently, you have more of a chance of bombing out than a lot of other people do. So... So maybe maybe you want to pick your words wisely because that could be used, clipped, and be tagged in a cold take. Yeah, and I think, like I said, I can respect the fact that he doesn't care about anyone probably other than Sean. Yeah, that's the only person he cares about. Um, he's number one. He has right to be arrogant in the sense he's number one, um, and he has right. I mean, the fact of the matter is the dude's got a lot going on. Like he doesn't need to. I, I, I like I said, it's not his responsibility to like make this his calling like yeah we are a podcast we're gonna talk about it he's not a podcast he's running gbt and owns a gym and he has a lot of other things going on he doesn't need to worry about it but yeah i think the issue i think is is kind of like the only responsibility i do see is anytime anyone gets to a top level whether it's as a coach it's as a lifter it's as whatever it is in life we all start at a certain place and if we want to make it easier for the come up of this next kind of generation there is responsibility to want to support things that help that next, those people on the come up. Yeah. People like you, um, who very well is possibly going to pull the American record deadlift at nationals and could get third, um, who could be challenging you and Delaney and Jamar, who could be challenging Russ and Sean. Um, I don't know as much this year, as much as probably in 2022. I mean, I very much assume by 2022, there's going to, there's going to be a third challenger. Um, giving those people the opportunity to have that platform because yeah. he didn't, he got that platform when he was first on that come up. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I, and again, I find, I mean, me and him did go back and forth. Like a person like, I do vehemently oppose with everything that you say that you said, or that you, that you said in that video. Um, I oppose all of it. I respect the decision that you have. And I, I guess like it, it turns into this thing when people also give me their opinion on this matter of what Russia opinion should be. Like, no, don't all of a sudden start telling people what they should think. You can argue with them that they're wrong, but I just hate when people are saying, like, he has so much influence, why doesn't he use it better? Like, no, don't don't start nitpicking when somebody actually does, like, voice their opinion. Make the arguments heard, but don't just, you know, tear the guy down. Um, and I don't think it really happened. I think a lot of people did overreact a bit to it, but, again... So, but also, I will just go with a lot of the arguments he used were just completely flawed. And I just didn't, like, people were using it to justify it, which this is where you get the nut-hugging, where I see the reposts of, well, you see how the NBA, or you see how the NFL and Major League Baseball and all the other sports organizations handled the pandemic and how they dropped the ball. You know, the USAPL, just the same way. And I'm just like, one, that's not even true. The only one that dropped the ball is Major League Baseball. They fucked up. 
they fucked up on a lot of different ways, a lot of different whole a lot of scenarios, and they completely fucked up. But the other sports organizations didn't. The NBA was obviously fine in the bubble. NFL was good. They played an entire season. There was positive tests, but they played an entire season, had the Super Bowl play out. The NHL was fine. MLS was fine. Like, just because Major League Baseball fucked up doesn't make it okay for the USA USAPL to fuck up and make terrible decisions their own. Like, the, the, the argument doesn't match. It's a, it's a complete logical fallacy. And then when people use that as an argument to justify his stance, I'm like, no, what are you guys even talking about? Actually, the USAPL have a much easier time than Major League Baseball to properly get a safe meet operating. That's not a good excuse to use. It's like, well, at least we have Raw Nationals. No, it could have been done better. And the fact that you guys don't bring this up makes it a problem. This, this at least it's happening argument is, is for the birds. I hate it. Don't use it. The only thing I'll defend, again, I was, don't agree with any, much what he said. I was irked by that. He cared about what affected him and what didn't affect him. But I do believe, I mean, he didn't mention this in it, but I do believe he's not saying that the USC Hill got it right. No, he, 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 he definitely believes that they should invite a top 10 only. Yes. That is his thing. They should just invite a top 10. Like, we all agree. I, I think probably top 15 is better, but at least top 10. Yeah. But... I think he mainly hit the point of that video wasn't that he doesn't like agree that USAPL did it right. It's just that he didn't care. Like I'm going to do what I'm going to do anyways. Yeah. And again, like that, if that was his entire video too, that was entire video is like, I literally don't care about raw nationals invites. I would have actually really liked the video. I would actually probably reposted it because I'm like, Oh, finally one of the top lifters comes out and says it, that they don't give a fuck (laughs) that they don't care what the decision that the USAPL made because they, it doesn't affect them at all, as opposed to the opposite of someone saying that they care about it and then doing absolutely nothing because they don't want to rock the boat. That, to me, like what, like if Russ has made a video, I mean, I guess I could argue against his stances, which I disagree with, but if he, if he simply made a five-minute video on YouTube and just said in five minutes, like, yeah, I really don't care. I'm just really focused on winning again and beating Noriega. And the rest of the guys don't have a chance to catch up to me. I'm like, okay. All right, well, I can't really argue that logic. So I'm going to go and record the next episode of Two White Lights. <laughs> without this being a part of it. Yeah. Or I'll probably be on Two White Lights saying like, fucking Russ, that was actually a pretty awesome video. I respect someone who actually tells the truth for once and say they don't care about something. Which he was almost there. I just, some of the stances he took were just, you know, wrong. I could find some errors in the logic. Yeah, if he would have been, yeah, I, he I, honestly, if he just would have made it short and sweet, I don't care. I'm number one. I'm going to worry about myself. Cool, I get it. Like that would have been a completely valid argument. Because um, I think there's a, probably, a, I think there's a, the only thing that probably makes some lifters that are at the top care a little bit more is like a lot of these lifters are coaches too who have athletes or their friends being. Yeah, you know, I don't think probably Russ has one. He's not coaching people. Two, um, I'm not sure any of his close friends are significantly affected by it so it probably isn't hit close to home where some other people like um i mean i'll use like sean um i obviously he has lifters daniela was originally affected even though sean was going to get his spot and he's going to get what he wants there was there was there was more to it than just what was affecting him yeah um, like for me i have i have lifters that got in awesome i have lifters that doesn't get in yeah that sucks i have this co-host that I'm going to have to hear rant about it. I, I just want to hear him stop ranting about it. So therefore, I want him to get in. <laughs> yeah, I want him to stop bitching about it. I mean, I guess I could use the same logic in that sense. Like, would I be talking about it as much if it completely 
didn't affect me. Like, cause it does affect me, their decision on who they invite and who gets first priority on the registration. He didn't bring up anything about lifetime memberships, but, um, like, would, it, would I be talking about it as much? But I, I, I go to some of your examples of Chance, Sean, and other people who spoke, even David Wilson spoke out about it. And I guess might be, might, it might be an assumption here, but I think that those people are kind of in it, are in the organizational aspect of USAPL, like possibly with other aspirations of being in the sport as far as powerlifting goes with coaching, with possibly directing meets, possibly having a position within the USAPL longer than Russ. I don't think Russ has any aspirations of doing any of those things. Yeah, I, I think you still would have cared. Maybe not as much because obviously you were like one of the poster childs for who this affected. I think you still would have cared because oh, yeah. Like, yeah, that's asked that the goal is to promote and encourage the growth of the sport in the sense, especially with USAPL. So I, we yeah. still would have been hurt in the sense that like, this could have been. This could have very much been. Done yeah, exactly. Exactly, and I would put myself in one of those categories if I see powerlifting being a part of my life for a really long time, and it's mostly it's not me starting a gym or anything or creating a clothing brand. It's me getting lifters into the sport, spotlighting current lifters on two highlights, talking to certain lifters. I'm a fan of the sport, and I don't think Russ is necessarily there. I think powerlifting is definitely in his future, but I. I don't know exactly if he's going to be, you know, a state ref or something or a meet director. I mean, I, I get that though. That's where I'm not going to judge. I mean, you know what? I was making a lot of money off of these other ventures. I don't know if I have as much time to like worry about growing the USAPL. Yeah. Like he's got a lot of play in a good way. Like he's unbelievably successful and has a lot going on. He probably doesn't have a bunch of time to worry about promoting the USAPL but he doesn't need to because him doing all those other things, just like Johnny doing a lot of what he does gives that, that push to the USAPL inadvertently. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. So yeah, that's, that's, that's our opinions on it. So you can stop asking me what my opinion is on it. This will be forever saved in the archives of iTunes and Apple podcasts and Spotify. So you guys can listen to two white lights. If you want my opinion on Russ or his video, which at this point it's kind of old news, right? Like no yeah. one's even talking about it. We're closer to actually finding out the actual outcome of all this than we are to his video at this point. Yeah, pretty much. So, so. lose next episode. Unfortunately, uh, I won't be on it. I'm moving next week. So yeah. I think, my, I don't know if you, what your plan is, but I have another guest, but next Thursday, we're going to know who got in. We're going to know the outcome of all of this and, if we uh, got our wishes with everyone getting in, if uh, Deadlift Extraordinaire got his spots, um, we'll have all the answers for that soon. Yeah, I well really like some information on how many spots are left. Yeah, well, that would be, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> no, like, if you're talking about, like, 32 spots are left, uh, I don't, like, at that, at that point, though, I don't even know if I could be angry. You, do you have Google Chrome? Downloaded and do you have your autofill stuff set up yet? Yeah, I got. I mean, I've had it. I had it since the Arnold. I mean, I, I'm not like this isn't my first rodeo. Like I, I had it all set up already. Like autofill. I mean, just out of convenience, Google Chrome autofill is one of like the greatest things of all time. Like when you're buying shit on Amazon, dude, it's like the I greatest. Think you know this, but for all the lifters, make sure you also have your USAPL ID and your qualifying total. Yes. Oh uh, yeah. Get your get it copied. 
Yeah. Copy Within it beforehand. Email or Google Docs, you can easily copy and paste it. Yeah. Well, they usually do link, the link of your last meet. Oh, yeah. I think they do use link. Yeah. Link, so. link of your, link of your uh, USAPL profile. Yeah. Because it'll have, you know, your most recent meet already in there. So that's what I think they do. But yeah, have that copy pasted. That's some advice. I mean, yeah, I went through it. I actually got into the Arnold last year, and that was a relatively quick process. It's going to be quicker this year, so I'm going to say under a minute. You have to get done. But whatever. We'll see how that goes. But, I mean, if it's that many lifters, like, seriously, someone's getting fucked over. And at this point, like, I can't even get mad if it's me. I think a lot of people are not trying to sign up. I know know a considerable amount, but when you still even talk about 32 lifters, like... I don't know. It'll be interesting. Yeah, I'm going to have to take a little bit of a break from moving unpacking just to see what kind of happens and whatnot. So we'll, yeah. we'll have that for sure. And then uh, I'll allude to the episode after. I don't know if we're going to cover it, but we're going to have our, just like we did coaches and teams, we're going to have March Madness for a countdown to USAPL Raw Nats. We're going to do 32 men, 32 women bracket style going down into the Elite Eight, the Final Four, and then the champion is who is the best lifter. And as an opinionated, who is the best lifter? Fans' choice. Who is the yeah. best lifter? So I am very scared that we're giving the voting to the fans, but I love you guys dearly, and I trust your opinions on this, and we're going to ride with it. <laughs> are we, we going to do it? I, I, for sure, fans at first. Do we want to think about maybe doing a fan one point, Angelo one point, Steve one point, when we get to like Elite Eight or Final Four? Or we, we, just th- we, could th- we, could, we could think about that, but it like I just really want to see where the fans decide because you just might get the fan favorite in USAPL. Gage is going to win. Huh? Gage is going to win. Who? This is going to be like Peyton Gage, carry on. <sighs> A lot of people like hate Peyton. Gage. <laughs> this is going to be Peyton Hillis getting the Madden cover. They're going to vote. It's going to be a, a Gage wins just to troll two white lights. <laughs> oh, that'll be... I... I would actually love to, all right, I'm not going to even give my opinion on it, but yeah, that's actually, I, you know what, Gage, Gage is not as loved as everyone thinks, and I don't think he has a power to get, I think if he even influences the vote, people go the opposite just to piss off Gage, because. I'm voting for Gage, though. If he is on there, I'm Oh, I, all right, so against the 74s and all the other people, I'm probably going to vote for Gage, too, because he is my best friend. So no, I'll, it's gonna happen. We're, we're setting it up to happen. Yeah. Really <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. great. Ashton Ralska is our choice. The fans' choice. Gage Carey. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Yeah, I'm actually excited for that. So yeah, March Madness, and uh, we got to figure out when we're gonna recap the Texas Strength Classic because that is this weekend. So remember, Texas Strength Classic primetime session. Big time lifters. We did the preview show previous episode check that out if you want a spotlight of the best storylines going into this meet i'll probably re-bring it up make some posts leflar bros is sponsoring it that is huge i'm very happy to hear that and you're gonna have the best seat in the house the coach's corner watching sean noriega compete i'm gonna watch on live stream that is saturday very excited for that unfortunately you will not be here next week i have a few interviews lined up Hopefully we can get Austin Perkins on, Joan Garrison, and maybe a few others maybe to talk about this. One, I, I actually just have to recap a little bit of Texas Strength Classic, so whoever wants to you know, come like, on for that. Throw us out there because we're doing it on the light. Might get Kyle uh, from Strength Project. He was he might be a good one to recap. Very good. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, I, was, I was thinking about potential people. 
uh, to do it. And then, of course, uh, the potential Raw Nationals roster will be released, and i got to do an episode on that. So you're looking at a pretty healthy lineup of episodes coming up in the future. So get excited, Two White Lights fans. But that'll do it for this week. Have fun in Texas, man. I will. It'll be a, a fun a drive Monday morning. Yeah. Ooh, you're driving there. It'll be, event, it'll be eventful. You're driving? Yes. Okay. Well, I have fun with that. That is a pretty yeah. hard drive. 11 hours. Look, I, I actually do. I don't do bad with long drives. 11 hours is nothing for me. I can do that. I've got really? podcasts saved up. I've got, I mean, I've got the, I've got the Wheat and, Wheeze and Grant podcast ready to go okay I listen to it yeah dude i i mean you're gonna listen to it that episode is very good and people love that episode <laughs> like people are you know they i think there's an ageist kind of thing going on he's like yeah, really you had you know an 18 and 19 year old on two white lights and you talked to them that episode was enjoyable from beginning to end it was a lot of fun. It was just one of the more fun, entertaining episodes that I've ever done. Just because it was, it kind of got off the rails a little bit as far as like powerlifting. I mean, there was a lot of, there was a good amount of stories in there. But yeah, you're going to enjoy it. I'm, I'm sure I don't know what this whole Sean thing is with. Oh, that's the highlight. Yeah, you got to no, listen to that. Is. Michael Mills, and it's a, it's a legend. The legend of Michael Mills and Sean Noriega. The client that never was. I mean, that's that's what I do on these. I don't like the long drives because I just I have all these podcasts that I download and save to listen to on these long drives. So I'm, all right, I'm gonna fantastic. Gonna... Well, uh, I'm I'm glad that the podcast that you're co-hosting can accompany you that on those long car rides. And yeah, yeah man, good luck with everything. I hope Sean kills it. Um, hope you guys have fun. I'm very upset I can't be there, but there's always next time. So. Peace. We'll see you guys next week.